You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I want to thank Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, who was with us on the first segment. I thought she would be able to stay for the second, but she did have to go. But we really do appreciate her coming on the show and talking about Medicare for All, uh, which is this proposal to greatly expand uh, the program that takes care of elderly people in this country right now and their health care to make sure that everybody might have access to it. It's a kind of single payer uh, approach to health care, something that uh, the late John Dingell worked on for a very long time when he was in Washington. We got a little bit of the way there with the Affordable Care Act, which made substantial changes to the market-based system that we've had for years. Now, a lot of Democrats, not just Democrats on the far left, but Democrats across the spectrum are talking about the idea of Medicare for all, Uh, the the idea that uh, we need another radical change to the health care system. Of course, when we talk about these things, we often hear the word socialism come up. People who don't like the idea of things like Medicare for all say, well, they don't like it because it's socialist. But what is that word? And what does that word really mean? When you talk about these ideas, uh, this is a way generally to just shut down the debate about liberal policy. Are characterizations of socialism even close to the actual meaning of the word? And has that word essentially lost meaningful uh, substance in modern American politics? Our next guest says we have lost sight of what that word actually means. Alex Shepard is a staff writer at The New Republic and author of an article titled Socialism Has Lost All Meaning in American Politics. Alex Shepard, welcome to Detroit Today. You there, Alex? Yes, I am. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. All right, so let's let's start by defining our terms here. Socialism. When I say that word, what does it mean to you? Well, I mean, I think I've I uh, t- tend to take the more sort of academic uh, uh, definition, but I think you know I'm partial to one that was put forth in the Atlantic during Bernie Sanders' first presidential run, which is as a kind of halfway house between capitalism and communism which is basically how Marx articulated it, you know, way back in the day. Uh, But, you know, it basically involves the state taking ownership of key sectors and industries, right, and then nationalizing these industries while, you know, a version, you know, usually a heavily regulated version of a free market exists in other sectors. So one way that I've always thought of socialism and and as somebody who studied political science in college and has spent a professional career writing about politics and policy, I've always thought of socialism as an economic system. And it's an economic system that could exist in any number of different political systems. So if you if you had a a dictatorship or or an autocratic form of government, they could impose a socialist economic system on that country. But if you have a democratic system like we do or like most of Europe does, people can choose the level of socialism that influences the economies in those countries. I feel like in the modern debate about it, though, the economic context of the word gets stripped away and it gets it gets aligned with this idea of authoritarianism. 
Well, I mean, I think that you see this now sort of on both sides, but there is a kind of choose your own adventure approach to which model you're putting forth when you're talking about socialism. So, you know, Bernie Sanders is always very careful to praise the Nordic states, right? You know, the healthcare system in the United Kingdom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas, obviously, if you listen to somebody like Marco Rubio or, you know, since he became president, Donald Trump, you'll hear a lot about Venezuela, particularly recently. You know, 10 years ago, you would have heard about gulags when this stuff came up, you know, when it, even though it rarely did at the time. Uh, but I think that, you know, the political context obviously overwhelmed the economic one in, you know, starting in the 1950s, really. But then after the end of the Cold War, even though, you know, the, you know, the supposed American model had triumphed, we basically lost sight of the economic context of socialism. I think in part because our Western European allies were practicing a sort of diluted version of it. Um, so this idea of the level, the different levels of socialism that exist in, let, let's say, Western democracies, uh, what is it that people fear about that? Do you feel, do you feel like what is it that that invokes for them this idea of uh, losing something as Americans? I mean, I think that you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, political psychology work about some of this. But there's a you know people have significant fear of losing benefits that they feel like they're entitled to, particularly uh, losing them to groups that they're not part of, right? Uh, minority groups in particular. I think this has always been the issue with uh, you know it's why Medicare has become a third rail in American politics for the last 35 years is. You know, that people worry about losing benefits that they believe that they're owed. That's part of it. I mean, I think the other thing, honestly, is that, you know, for 60 years, this country was inundated with political propaganda about the uh, value of our free market system and the inherent authoritarianism uh, and theft of the sort of Soviet model, uh, which I think has sort of become bastardized in various ways, but still infects our politics. Hmm. On the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number to join us. My guest is Alex Shepard. He's a staff writer at The New Republic and author of an article titled Socialism Has Lost All Meaning in American Politics. We're talking about the way in which we use that word in our political discourse, the way in which it's used to dismiss ideas like Medicare for all, almost in a fell swoop without dealing with the substance of those ideas. Some people say, well, that's socialism, and I'm just against that. What do you think about that word? What do you think about some of these programs that get called socialist ideas like Medicare for all? Are they things we ought to have better conversations about, deeper conversations about, and figure out ways to integrate them into a society that we all cherish for its freedom? Or are you somebody who's really turned off by those things, who really does fear that they lead to a loss of freedom of some sort. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Vince in Hamtramck. Vince, what's on your mind? Hey, Stephen and Mr. Shepard. Great conversation, gentlemen. Um, you know, my comment was kind of what Mr. Shepard was already saying, uh, but kind of from a different view. I think the right and the left are operating from different lexicons when it comes to using the word socialism. 
Um, I think the people on the left um, say, you know, universal health care in the same vein as like high school. And that was a radical idea you know, when that came out. And then the people on the right, when they hear socialism, that's synonymous with communism, with Stalinism and totalitarianism. Hmm. Uh, Vince, I really appreciate that uh, that call. Alex, I wonder what your reaction is to what Alex, uh, Vince is saying there. No, I mean, I think that that's right. I mean, you see a little bit of this in the U.K. right now where Jeremy Corbyn, whatever, his problems, you know, when you pick up a tabloid, if you're in London, he's basically cast as, you know, Joseph Stalin Jr. And I think, you know, Bernie Sanders' candidacy wasn't treated particularly seriously by, you know, either the sort of mainstream media or the right-wing media. But as uh, as he's sort of picking up steam, you're seeing a lot more of this kind of, you know, antiquated red-baiting. Uh, I think on on the Democratic side, though, socialism has come to mean basically anything that's an alternative to this current crony capitalism that's practiced in this country, where it's you know this is obviously not a, a free market system for anybody who pays attention, uh, but you know even ideas proposed by Elizabeth Warren, who is very vocal about our support of capitalism, this sort of heavily regulated, heavily taxed version. Of capitalism, you know, is dismissed by, as socialism by people on the right. You know, when when you talk about the tax burdens that would come with socialist policies, I think that's one of the things that some people instantly recoil when they when they hear. But but I wonder if you can talk about whether those tax burdens are are as onerous as people think they are, and how other countries discuss these things without freaking out over over the taxes. I mean, I think one thing that does worry me as somebody who observes politics and what I try to make as sort of neutral as possible is that Democrats are basically proposing European-style health care, but without European-style taxes. Now, these taxes, I think, are not nearly as onerous as people on the right claim that they would be. You know, we're not going to go back to, you know, we're not, or not go back. We never had it in the first place, but to you know, England's 90 plus top, uh, 90 plus percent top marginal tax rate, which they had you know, in the 1960s. Uh, but I think there is a worry among some, myself included, that you know, a program like uh, Medicare for All would cost trillions of dollars a year. That money has to come from somewhere. I think there, you know, there is uh, some sort of creative economic thinking that's being embraced by some people. Uh, certainly, we could be spending the deficit on better things than wasteful foreign wars and tax cuts for the rich. Uh, but you know, you're still going to have to raise a trillion and change from somewhere. And, you know, I think wealth taxes, increased taxes on the top marginal rate, uh, getting the estate tax back to where it should be. You know, that that gets to some revenue. But but I think the other idea is that people are going to have to be paying some of the money that they currently pay for health care, you know, either that comes out of their paycheck uh, or that their employers are paying for health care, like that will then go to the federal government. Okay, thanks again for the call and the comments. Let's go to Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Hey. Hey, listen, so first of all, when we talk about some Americans having a problem with uh, things that hit at everybody being equal or everybody benefiting from something and it reminds them of socialism. Who are these Americans? Are these the 1% that control everything and that are sitting high up on their little lofty uh, uh, perches looking down at all of the suffering without health care? Or are we talking about the people? 
Now, our government is supposed to be serving us. That has gotten warped. And because these banking institutions and these conglomerates behind the scenes are basically controlling everything to keep things things to status quo as far as money and the flow of money and the flow of power, uh, we have started to become afraid and to serve our government. And I just want to leave everybody with this thought. When this country was started, it was started because of the same things on a different level that we're complaining about now. Uh, people being taxed without representation, people not having enough, people feeling like there was too big of a gap in between those who had and those didn't, and they started this country. But it was started not with, and I'm not preaching anarchy, but it wasn't started in a peaceful way. It was started with a ripping away from what was so settled in. And It was, started, it was started with a war, and it, and it was a violent secession from another country. Aaron, I really appreciate that that thought. Uh, Alex, talk about this idea of of uh, who benefits from one economic system or another and whether the people who may be victims of one economic system end up perpetuating it and defending it and why. Yeah, I mean I think you know one of the worries that people have that I think is probably a little bit more uh it's less of a bad faith argument than some anti-socialism arguments is is that you know these systems have historically rewarded cabals and cliques you know people that had accumulated political power that they then used to hoard economic power uh but i think you know a lot of the energy even against a market-based healthcare program like the affordable care act came from uh, private corporations, particularly insurance companies, even though the Obama administration was bending over backwards to try to make these people happy, and you know that was over fear that this sort of this kind of cartel system that we've allowed to uh, to take over uh, healthcare over the last 50 years, you know, a lot of people make a lot of money, you know, from that system, and they get up in arms over it. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Alex Shepard of the New Republic. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Thomas in Dearborn, Mike in Chesterfield, Michael in Detroit, Cosette in St. Clair Shores. We will get to you next. You can join them at 313-577-1019, or you can go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you in. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, Thanks for tuning in. Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you that today and today only, there is a $5,000 leadership circle match on the table in advance of our spring fundraiser, which is scheduled to start on March 24th. Of course, we won't interrupt any of the programming here at WDET if we can raise $315,000 before March 24th. We've already raised enough to eliminate one of the days of that fundraiser. We're trying to get rid of a second day of programming uh, by raising this money today. So the first $5,000 that we raise this morning will be matched to become $10,000 and will get us closer to that goal. You can do 
do that at WDET.org or call 800-959-WDET. Okay, we're talking about the idea of socialism and the way that that word gets used in our political discourse, often as a dismisser of any idea that seems too far left. Uh, Is that the way that we ought to be using it? Is that the way we ought to be thinking about concepts like Medicare for all and other leftist policies that might make things a little easier to manage in this country? As always, the number on the phone is 313-577-1019. Let's go to Thomas in Dearborn. Thomas, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to point out something that uh, when Bernie Sanders and people like uh, him put forward this definition of socialism, it's, it's inherently facetious. Uh, socialism can exist with the government we have today because the government we have today was created for and designed to protect the interests of the incredibly wealthy. Uh, for it to be socialism, for it to be a socialist health care system, there needs to be a workers-run government. Workers like me, workers like your listeners, workers like Aaron. So when people like Bernie fake socialists put forward their definition of socialism and put it into the public eye, it doesn't help anybody. This capitalist system that we live in can't support the needs of the people in it, and health care in it will always support the profit of the capitalists. So I feel like this definition and this conversation itself is based on false principles. I so, feel like... Yeah, Thomas, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I guess I would push back a bit because you do have democracies on the planet that have mixed capitalist ideas with socialist ideas. In fact, most of them have. And even this country has kind of a mix of things. I mean, something like Medicare is mm. an example of a socialist approach to senior well, health care. Inter- no, but socialism is a result of the fight of the workers in the 20s and 30s and the sure. progressive presidents of that time that yes. achieved movement against the capitalist class. It's, it's, um, it's a process by which uh, the workers have to fight for the unions that protect them, for the uh, conditions and factories that we've grown quite accustomed to and stopped fighting for, so they're being rolled back via austerity. It's a process of these two, this push and pull, this tug of war, uh, that there are two um, dichotomous powers that are opposing in this. And mm-hmm. this this country and other countries do have some socialist elements in them, and they do have some goals in them that are socialist, but that's as a result of the people fighting for them. Sure. I mean, as I mean, far I guess, as I can... I, I no, guess, go ahead. I guess, I guess my question is, is whether it's an all-or-nothing proposition, right? Mm. I mean, uh, th- there are certainly countries on the, on the planet that, where there, there is an autocratic government that imposes uh, a socialist economy on, on people, uh, but, but most democracies, I think, are, are kind of... They take a piece here, they take a piece there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they mix it together. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the European system, the idea of, you know, what Bernie Sanders really is is not a democratic socialist, but a social democrat, a social right? democrat, right. Which is somebody who is pushing for a greater federal, in most cases, control over these areas. But, you know, as we're sort of talking around, sort of retreats from this idea of class conflict and instead positions this as this kind of, 99% versus the 1% when in fact, you know, I think as you're sort of hinting at, a larger real socialism would involve uh, really empowering uh, 
workers. You know, oddly enough, it's Elizabeth Warren who identifies as a democratic capitalist, who I think has actually done the most policy work to give back some power to workers of the current presidential candidates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, Thomas, I really appreciate the call uh, and the the thought-provoking things that uh, you had to say there. Uh, I really appreciate you being part of the program. Let's go to uh, Michael in Detroit. Michael, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, Great conversation. So what my question is, is I've got one. The first is, what's, what's the proposal on to invest or what do we want to increase the percentage of GDP or uh, per capita spending to um, in order to achieve our goals um, when we talk about socialism, right? Right now we're at 21st in the world um, in GDP um, as a percentage that we spend and we're um, 13th in per capita, right? So per head. So do we think that if we increase it to maybe number one, number two, or number three in the world, we'd have a sufficient uh, change in in our health of the population? Or We, we never really talk about, about numbers, and we always talk about greater ideas. Um, and we can stop there, and, you know, I've got ideas, but um, hmm. I'd be interested to hear that. Uh, that that's, a, that's a great question, Michael. I really appreciate it. You calling and and asking Alex, uh, what how 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 ought we be viewing the outcomes here, right? What what we're striving to achieve? Yeah, I mean, I think that well, I think you've sort of hit on one of the the issues that I find most frustrating about this Democratic primary is that we're not really talking about those kinds of issues. In part, I think because they involve very large numbers that are scary to a lot of people. But I think that. The point of all of this, right, is that we have we have a phenomenally wasteful healthcare uh, system for a first world nation. And when you when you deal with if you report on hospitals, which I've done in the past, you discover things like they don't even know what things cost, right? Like it's this fan, fantasy version of capitalism. So I think that the idea has to be about improving outcomes and decreasing costs, right? Which would put us in line with other first world countries. Now, the problem with this is that the other first world countries that have versions of universal health care that we want to emulate, like the United Kingdom and like Norway, for instance, are much smaller than the United States. And this kind of system has never really been uh, tried on a country this large. So, I mean, I sort of hate to say I don't know how possible it is, but I do think that, you know, theoretically, there's no reason why uh, this system shouldn't, you know, basically have better outcomes for a larger percentage of the population. Because right now our healthcare system is so broken and so expensive that you know, it just leads to adverse outcomes for you know tens of millions of people. Hmm. Uh, again, thanks for the call and the question, Michael. Let's go to Adele in Southfield. Adele, what's on your mind? Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. So. We're talking a lot about European social democracies, which are not true socialist countries because the workers don't control the state. They are capitalist countries that have stronger social welfare safety nets Yes, due to workers' struggles, of course. And in those countries, like Britain, you mentioned, the NIH, their national health care system has been under attack for decades. In those social democracies, social welfare is still subject to privatization because the capitalists still fundamentally 
control those governments. And you don't see that in Cuba. You don't see that in the DPRK. You don't see that in China. And just to push back on one more thing. So, so hold on, said, hold on, Atel. Would would you would you propose that that those systems in Cuba and China are better? Yep. You I would. You would prefer those. Yes, one hundred percent. Because guess what? Capitalism is imposed on us. It's imposed on all workers. Well, isn't if, in China? Isn't socialism imposed on everybody? Yes. It is an all-or-nothing battle. It's just who is imposing on who, the mm. people or the rich and wealthy capitalists. Boy, it I is would, I would, an all-or-nothing battle. Boy, I would, I would really push back at the notion that the people of China are imposing socialism on themselves. I think there's an autocratic leadership there. That I mean, I do that. think that this does get at an at a important issue for these systems, though, especially going forward, at least in a, in a whatever, incremental sense, which is that you're absolutely right about the the battle against austerity, right? This mm-hmm. has been one that's been won by both the center right and the center left, as well as the far right, you know, in countries particularly like the United Kingdom, and is also something that will immediately get imposed uh, in the United States, you know, as soon as the Republican Congress takes over <laughs> again, which right. I think is, you know, one of the things that we aren't talking about when we're talking about pushing Medicare for all is how to make that system you know, robust against the kinds of, you know, long-term austerity that we've seen in other first-world social democratic countries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Alex Shepard, staff writer at The New Republic and author of the article titled Socialism Has Lost All Meaning in American Politics. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. All right, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. Remember, the first $5,000 we raise this morning is going to be matched with $5,000, which brings us to ten, and bring us closer to eliminating a second day of program-interrupting fundraising that will begin on March 24th. We're really doing a good job getting all that money in the door up front so we don't have to interrupt the programming you love here on Detroit Today and on WDET throughout the day. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll talk with you then.